Welcome to the Habits of Leadership podcast, brought to you by Cut Through Coaching, helping leaders and their teams to thrive professionally and personally. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Habits of Leadership podcast. Dan Hasler with you here from Cut Through Coaching and in today's episode we're going to be exploring the concept of psychological safety. If you've spent any time listening to our podcasts over the past 12 months or if you've spent any time working with us, um, you'd be well aware that developing psychological safety is often at the core of the work that we do, whether it's in helping teams become more effective, whether it's uh, helping teams through a, a process of change, or even in coaching uh, scenarios and coaching environments, really exploring how by developing a sense of psychological safety, we're able to get on and do the best work we're capable of. One of my favorite books over the last 12 months has actually been a book all about psychological safety called The Fearless Organization. And I'm absolutely delighted to say that the author of The Fearless Organization, Professor Amy Edmondson, joins us on the show today. Thank you very much for having me, Dan. Uh, so when people um, ask you what it is you do, presumably, you know, <laughs> some people know you, you work at, you know, you're a professor, you're at Harvard, you've written a book, but what is it in essence that you actually do? Oh, I learn, I guess. I guess that's the best answer. I I am a researcher and a teacher. And so I, I really do these two very different but very complementary activities. And, and research, the kind of research I do is to get myself out there into real organizations, talking to real people and trying to understand what they're up against and, and mm. what their workplaces are like and what's working and what isn't. And then the teaching I do is of aspiring or current managers and, mm. and trying to help teach them some approaches and uh, behaviors that will help them be better managers and create better workplaces. And a lot of that is around the, the teamwork side of things and, and stuff like that. But in particular, and what's of particular interest to me is um, the, the issue of psychological safety. And, and um, you know, I came across your work through, I think it was first mentioned in, well, the very first time I came across it would have been some reference to it in um, uh, some research that Google published. But then I dug into your Fearless Organization book and it was, you know, I found it a fascinating read last last year. So this idea of psychological safety, um, how do you define psychological safety um, in, in the workplace? You know, a short way to say it is, Psychological safety is a sense of permission for candor, right? So it's mm. it's it's a it's an awareness that I can speak up at work. I can ask questions. I can offer half baked ideas. I can request help. I can acknowledge mistakes. All of that. Uh, and mm. I've I've formally defined it as a shared belief that the workplace is is safe for interpersonal risk taking. And so when you say those things to someone who might not necessarily work in, mm. you know, in, in, in a, a typical workplace, for example, might, like, don't those things sound fairly commonplace? Like, shouldn't people, yeah, of course, of course, those things, yeah. you know, um, that makes sense. I understand that. And but but you've kind of found that's not necessarily the case. It's it's not that easy for people to speak up necessarily. Candor isn't necessarily expected or even wanted in some cases. Right. And I wonder if your reaction is partly 
an Australian reaction, right? And, mm. and, and yet still probably incomplete, right? So I, I think that, you know, if, if I'm talking to folks in South Asia, they'll look at me and say, but that could never happen. If I'm talking mm. to folks in Australia, they'll say, well, don't, don't people do that? I mean, what's yeah. wrong with people, right? So there's, there are certainly differences, and yet I would argue, and with some evidence, mm. that around the world, people hold back. Um, and here's why. I mean, the, the the psychology of human beings is that we care very much about what others, and especially others in a hierarchy, and most workplaces are to a greater or lesser extent a hierarchy, we care about what others think of us. And now that's fine. You know, when I'm doing or saying something that I absolutely know will be well received, hmm. I'll do it or say it. But in that larger zone where there's uncertainty, where I'm not 100% sure what I have to say will be um, received well by my boss or by my peers, I will always err on the side of silence, right? Err on the side of holding back, like wait and see, Let, let's find out. I mean, not too many of us are really enthusiastic about raising our hand to say, hey, look at the mistake I just made. Mm. Isn't this an interesting one? We can learn from it. Well, great, right? But that, <laughs> that's, that's such a nice theory. But in practice, we are spontaneous image managers. You know, we, 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 we care very much about the impressions others have of us, and we unconsciously and consciously manage those kind of all times. And, and so um, the, the reality is you, you could just draw a line and say, here's the threshold. Above this line, I'll, I'll certainly speak immediately. Um, below this line, I'll maybe I'll, you know, it's a judgment call. And below this line over here, I wouldn't dream of saying it, um, you know, at work. And my argument is that an awful lot, especially in that middle zone, is things that should be said at work. Yeah. And what, when I say should, what do I mean? I mean, um, we, could, we could avoid safety failures. We could avoid business losses. We could have more innovation. We could have more inclusion, right? There's a lot of different um, outputs that we care about that we lose out on when we hold back. Mm. And you could um, argue that a few of the big, I mean, in, in fact, in your um, in your book, you talk about Volkswagen and, and how they, for, again, from the outside, you think, how on earth could that earth, have happened? Right. Like, seriously, right, how does that right. happen? Or Just stepping out of the interview for a second, just to remind you of the Volkswagen scandal, which hit the news in 2015. Essentially what happened, the engineers were tasked with um, reducing um, emissions, dangerous emissions, to a, to a level which it turns out subsequently no one in the organization, none of the engineers, the scientists, the researchers or developers, none of them thought it was possible to do. But they were tasked with this uh, challenge by um, Winterkorn, the then, the then CEO. But rather than push back and say, this can't be done, they felt it was safer to commit fraud, essentially. So what they did, uh, very briefly, um, was they created a line of code so the cars could determine uh, when they were either being driven on the road or when they were being driven in testing conditions. So in testing conditions in the lab, essentially only two wheels of the car go round. 
And when the engine could determine that only two wheels were going round, it would switch. It would change the way in which it operated. And so the emissions were you know, on par or, or better than the, the levels that they had, um, had had set themselves. But once they were back out on the road and, and operating normally, those emissions were far higher than what had been stated. So you'll remember, I'm sure, that this really you know um, caused shockwaves. Millions of cars across the world were recalled. There's a, there's a chance that maybe one of you, you know one of you listening, your car was um, recalled. So you'd be well aware of this. What's interesting in Amy's book is how she traces the um, the belief, if you like, of the CEO then and 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 CEOs previously, where they felt that a culture of fear was the best way to motivate their workers. So just to reiterate once again, when given this challenge, the scientists, the engineers, they felt it was safer to commit fraud, to commit a crime, than it was to tell the boss that what they were being asked to do was not possible. You could, I guess you could yes. probably draw a line through any number of um, you know, moral misdemeanors or safety lapses and, and this is that space that you're talking about where I, I'm hearing you say anyway. And is mm. it, So what's the difference between somebody who does feel they can speak up and those that don't? Is it the individuals? Is it the culture? Is it the way the boss sets the tone? Like, why All is of the boss? above. Yeah. But, but the least important variable I would like to say is the individual. So this right. is psychological safety is not an individual difference per se. It's, it's a reflection of, of the context. And I think I can say that with some confidence because the data show uniformly across companies and industries and countries, they show variability across groups within organizations. Mm. In other words, so it's not, it's psychological safety is indeed influenced by corporate culture but it's not determined by co- corporate culture. So mm. I can, you know, name a company, Volkswagen. It has a corporate culture, but then there will be differences in the psychological safety climate across groups within Volkswagen. Yeah. And a lot of that links immediately to something else you said, which is the boss, right? Mm. The and and what does boss mean? I mean, boss, of course, starts with the chief executive, um, and he or she might matter, but the reality is that psychological safety is shaped by the local boss. You know, it's shaped mm. by the branch manager, the unit manager, the project team leader. It's it's the proximal person in a position of authority who is leading or overseeing some piece of work. You know, some some interdependent aspect of the work. Mm. And so, if if you, because you when you when, you, um, when I asked you what it is you do, you said you you know you work with managers, you work with corporations, you work with aspiring leaders. How do you get people to understand this? Because I could I could envisage a case where there might be mm. some there might be some leaders who, quite frankly, don't want to hear people's opinions because it could be a threat to their position. They they themselves might be struggling with perhaps imposter syndrome or whatever it might be. How do you really convince or make the case to these new leaders that the psychological safety is something that they really need to be focused on enhancing? It's a great question. And and I it's it's actually about reframing it from 
the question of, oh, what do I have, you know, that what, what do I have to lose to mm. what do I have to gain? And so I think you're right. Most managers will spontaneously think, oh, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and so that's got to be reframed to, I am at risk when I don't hear it. Mm. And now not today, but tomorrow or next week or by the end of the month or in three years, I'm at risk. So again, just for illustration, the Volkswagen story is not a day, a fateful day that one day an engineer didn't speak up and say this engine can't pass environmental regulations. Mm. And, you know, that was the, that was the problem. No, it's, it's, it's day after day of people sort of holding back the truth from their superiors. And why do they do that? Well, they hold back because they think, well, I'll figure this out somehow. And, and my boss or my boss's boss literally said, you know, I have your names, you better get this done or else, Mm. you know, so things like that fear-based management strategies. So when managers realize that they are far worse off with the consequences of not hearing the truth, then they get interested in the truth. Mm. And, and so it's, um, you know, one way to think about this is just to remind people that in every industry today, even in frontline production in the in the you know manufacturing sector, we are actively engaged in knowledge work. And it's and knowledge work is is complex and constantly shifting. And I say even in the manufacturing sector because more and more of the manufacturing work is done uh, through programming robotics to do various steps that human beings used to do. So if if we're not you know, constantly challenging and questioning and understanding what's happening, we are at risk of being blindsided by a failure, by an error, or simply a missed opportunity. Mm. And the thoughtful managers, you know, the ones who are really thinking about the future and recognize the centrality of innovation in, in uh, today's successful organizations, um, and recognize the absolute desire that they must have and embrace to avoid big visible headline grabbing failures, then they get interested in the problem of who knows something I don't know, you know, and how can I make sure that I hear it? Yeah. I've, I've, it's, I've heard that um, psychological septic can be considered as sort of like the foundation that um, can, right. that can really, you know, strengthen the effectiveness of the other pillars of important, you know, team dynamics or meaning purpose, those kinds of things. And yet it's, it's quite interesting when we go in and work with the people we work with that often people are really focused on the impact. <laughs> you know, they're really focused on having a good vision. Um, and so mm. I'm curious in your work, is it a trend that you're seeing as whether, whether it's through your work or those of the, your, mm. your colleagues, is there, is there a trend where people, organizations, uh, different sectors who might have been more sort of bullish or maybe you know single-minded about other areas that they're they're creating the time to to invest in this is, is that happening and, and if so how do you see that happening i think it it's happening in 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 part because more and more people find themselves looking ahead and realizing they've got goals or deliverables that they actually don't have a clear blueprint for how to get it done so I like to say, you know, problem solving is a team sport. Mm. 
So if you, you know, if you buy that more and more of us realize in order to get our goals met, we need to solve problems along the way, then one is motivated to engage others in this problem-solving sport. And and so I and I think it does start as you suggest, it starts with motivation from a shared vision that's compelling or or a shared sense of purpose that's compelling. And so it does it isn't about like I don't think there's any um, you know, real interest in creating psychological safety for psychological safety's sake. Mm. It's for, it's, there's an interest in creating psychological safety because it's the only way to do really good team problem solving mm. is to have people not holding back because my wacky idea this minute might trigger your really brilliant idea in the next minute. Mm. So we start with that motivation for what's at stake, why it matters, why we care about it, you know, and then we realize it's, um, you know, there's enough uncertainty and, and need for novelty today that we have to, um, we have to sort of create a different kind of work environment than we had in the past. And you said, um, I don't know if you used the word inter- underpinning, but something mm. like it just Foundation now. or and something. That, That's what I mean. I, I do mean exactly. that. Yeah. And, and I say, you know, it's, it, it's um, I, I guess my work has been more focused on the soil than the seed. Right. You know, if you're a farmer, you're planting your seeds in rich generative soil, and then you're getting a good crop. Um, but the same seed won't, won't blossom without, without the good soil. And, and, and this is true in the workplace as well. The, uh, the psychological safety as the foundation is the soil in which the seeds of vision, of skills, of you name it, mm. can take root and 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 blossom. Yeah. So, please don't make psychological safety. If you're listening, don't make that your goal. It's not the seed; mm. it's the soil. Yeah. But realize that without it, some of the investments you might be making in skills training or in formulating that beautiful vision will be lost. If people don't have, um, you know, the that that freedom uh, to to be themselves and and bring their full self forward. Yeah. So let, let's play on that analogy of the soil for a, a minute. What what if you work out that your soil is actually fundamentally not very healthy? Um, and, and, <laughs> okay. You okay. Know, and, yeah. and you've got all these lovely seeds, um, but but, right. but they're just not they're just not growing. Um, I, I'm aware that we can, you know, there's various um measures that we can use to analyze it and so let, right. let's suggest and, and just for the benefit of people who um, might have not read the book you know the, the measures i'm talking about are featured in your book they they ask questions along the lines of um so you know or, or it's more agreeing or disagreeing with statements like nobody on this team would deliberately undermine my efforts or um, exactly yeah, I can go to my yeah if you make them if you yeah if you make a mistake around here it's not held against yeah you. so so playing um, on that analogy let's say that we yeah. answer in the negative to both of those right and um to what extent can we um change the soil or or treat the soil yeah well you know the simplest thing to do um, if you're looking for voice is to ask questions right? and, and, and I know that's, you know, it's hopelessly literal, but it's what you're doing right now. Yeah. And I promise you, it would feel very awkward for me to remain silent after you ask me a good question mm. or right? you ask me a good question and it cries out for an answer. And, and, you know, Peter Drucker decades ago said, 
the the job of you know being a manager isn't about having the right answers it's about asking the right questions mm. and i think that's just that's foundational so I, I i don't usually start with that one but it's i think it's so important because if you are looking for people's contributions uh, the easiest and most mechanical way to get them is to ask good questions. And good questions are those that focus us on something that matters, you know, on the project at hand, on the, the customer's um, worries, on the technology that we're wrestling with, whatever it is. And, and, and they give people room to respond. And, and so when, if I ask a question and then appear to be genuinely interested in your response, maybe not permanently, but in that moment, you will feel a sense of permission for candor. You will feel a sense of psychological safety for voice. And, and because I, are you, you know, the, the genuine expression of interest in what you're thinking has been put out there. The space or gap has been created for you to respond and you will, and you will respond, practice that over time. And, you know, good things will happen. Mm -hmm. I also think it's helpful, and I talk about this in the book. In, in Chapter 7, I talk about the sort of small and larger tips and tools for creating a healthy learning culture of psychological safety. But I think it's really uh, important to do one of the things that you and I have been talking about, which is kind of remind people of what we're up against. And and by that, I mean, you know, fast, we you can't, go on the internet without finding some statistic about the speed of change and the, you know, the volatility or uncertainty or complexity of the world in which we live and work. And, and if you think about the implications of that challenging context, the implications are that none of us have a crystal ball. None of us know everything. We're utterly dependent on each other and on fast learning uh, to get there. So, I call that setting the stage. Right? You're, you're mm. saying, um, you're saying these are um, these are, the, you know, these are the challenges that lie ahead. Everybody's brain is needed uh, to help us uh, navigate them. Mm. So, so what if what if the the person the the multiple people listening to this podcast what if they what if yeah. or just let's take one person let's, let's say there's yeah. one person listening to this podcast and they say yeah that's right. lovely Amy and and that, that'd be great but I'm not the boss <laughs> the boss the boss is the problem here I, and what advice other yeah. than go and find another job what advice <laughs> what advice would you give Fair yeah what, what advice would yeah. you give that yeah. person um you know well I guess the first question yeah. is is there any advice you can give that person? Can they do anything? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, the, the um, here's the funny thing. The reality is we all have a boss. You know, even the yeah. CEO has a boss. It's called the, in the U.S., it's called mm. the board. Um, and in other countries, maybe the governing board. But it's, um, and it is truly human nature to look up rather than across and down. So, and I, I understand some people are at the absolute front lines, right? They, they, they don't have anyone reporting to them. They're not the boss in any way, shape or form of anyone else. They're still likely a colleague. So um, I, the most important bit of advice I can give is start with where you mm -hmm. are. You may not think you have power 
to alter the culture or the climate in any way, but in fact you do. Now, you don't have infinite power. You don't have as much power as the boss, and the boss may truly be a difficult person. I'll come back to that yep. in a second. But truly, how you show up and the respect and curiosity you show to your colleagues and even to your boss has a profound effect. You might not think so, but it does, right? When when you're just there and you are interested in what someone else is thinking, you ask them a question, you listen thoughtfully to the response, that's powerful. Mm. In that moment and then beyond, you've created a little, you know, bubble of psychological safety that will that will maybe not be forever, but it used to, this is this is yeah. what it's all about, right? It's what I'm really talking about is how we are with each other, and if each of us were to just focus on where we are and who we are with, we can do something. We can't do everything, no magic wand, but we can do something. Now, there are. Um, some cases in which you really do truly have an extremely impossible, difficult boss. And I do think it's there is a point at which you have to sort of say, this isn't for me and 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 look for, you know, but th- but those are rare occasions. I think more often than not, we have people, we have bosses who aren't terribly effective. Um, who aren't aware, more more bosses are mm. blind to the negative impact they're having. Being than deliberate, are, yeah. You know, really yeah. bad, being yeah. deliberate, exactly. Um, so you sort of do the best you can with where you are and focus on your colleagues for mm. now. Focus on being, you know, the best little micro team or group or relationship um, in in. You're part of the organization. Yeah. So so think about the other person that's listening to this podcast then, who right. might be the boss who is unaware. This could be the person who suddenly there's maybe there's some bells going off. What are some of the behaviors of people who are unaware that they're chipping away at the, the psychological safety of a group? Yeah, and, and, and unaware is a lovely word because it's not, you know, there's no malintent mm. um, in the unaware person. Um, they have blind spots. And so I think, even if you, you know, if you suspect you might be that person, listen closely. <laughs> Even if you don't suspect you might be that person, you actually might be that person. So stop to think um, a couple of things. One, um, how at the last meeting you attended or led, how much of the talking did you actually do? Uh, how, was every voice heard? Um what, what, did anyone disagree? Dissent? Was there any? Was there laughter? Um, um, was there as, as as many people speaking up with problems or concerns or questions they have as with good news or boasting or positive reports about their work? You know, is is there a healthy mix? Um, and if the answer to any of these questions is no, um, you may have more work to do. I'm interested, I guess, to think. Well, who who's a good person to hear from is this a good opportunity to go to the people you work with and and get advice from from them or or is this something that you need to go away and do some own reflection i would get advice from them but not about mm. you as a leader right so i think that's a um especially if you're in an uh, in a situation where people don't feel psychologically safe you're unlikely to get very good yeah. information by going to them and saying, give yeah. me feedback, right? They'll just say, hey, you're a great boss, right? Um, so um, use it as an opportunity to 
start and engage in learning-oriented conversations about the work, you know, about the mm. task, about the about the vision, the goals, right? So um, you can start today by having more thoughtful, more learning-oriented conversations about the shared mission that we're that we're uh, undertaking together uh, than about your own behavior. And that's, that's really what it's all about. I'm going to come back to the, that foundation, that underpinning notion. Um, the reason I care so passionately about this stuff is that I want the work to get done well, whether that's a new product development team or a patient care delivery team that, that if we can, thoughtfully and in a data-driven way, keep pushing ourselves to do the best possible job at, at collectively solving the problems that lie ahead and, and, you know, and recognize that that takes input and creativity and ingenuity from everyone and, and thoughtful teamwork um, by everyone, you know, then th that's what I'm interested in. That's what's that, that's what it's all about. And, my argument is simply that without a reasonably psychologically safe climate, those kinds of task-oriented, high-quality, learning-oriented conversations don't happen mm. well enough. So a lot of the time you'll hear the phrase, you know, safe space is used quite pejoratively. Yeah. And, the, you know, it's all like, right. go back to your safe space, whatever, but and in, implying that that isn't a space mm -hmm. where we can have robust conversation implying that people you know can't have their own opinions or whatever and th but that's obviously not what i'm hearing so i thought it, it right but no but you're right believe it or not and this is where i am um if i could rewind the clock uh right it would be uh, 21 years and use a different term other than psychological safety I would for this very reason, because I think it's so confusing. So let me just put it this way. Safe space is not the same thing as psychological safety. Think of psychological safety as permission for candor. Safe space, which is a relatively new term, is a term that is meant to imply in this space, I will not be subject to any upsets. I will not be subject to triggers that, you know, that I would find uncomfortable or difficult to be exposed to. And, and that's a lovely notion for certain parts of, of life and maybe certain parts of certain classrooms, but that's, that's not what we're talking about here. You know, if anything, we're talking about getting comfortable with discomfort, like getting comfortable with the fact that we will disagree with each other or that because we're coming from different professions or different genders or different socioeconomic backgrounds, we might see the world in a different way and we might find each other's way of seeing mildly offensive at times. And we got to get over that and sort of say, isn't this interesting? You know, rather than, Ugh, you know, why does he see it that way? We have to sort of say, wow, that's interesting. He sees it that way. Make it a puzzle. Just to be clear, we're talking about mildly offensive. We're not talking, we're not giving carte blanche. No, for, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. And, 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 but psychological say, I mean, think, truly, um, let's say someone says something truly offensive in a more psychologically safe environment, I will be more comfortable say, saying, I find that really offensive. In a less psychologically safe environment, I don't say a thing. And then later I tell my best friend how utterly offensive you were. 
And so um, it's, you know, it's, it's still the case. Like, again, very few of us want to be offensive, <laughs> you know. So and even though we might not really adore learning and getting that feedback right now, right here, right now, I, I need to get it. I need and want to get it. So, you know, let's, let's get a little, I don't want to say tougher, um, but less brittle. Like we need, we need to be, we need to be less, um, less brittle. Like we won't break, you know, if we, if we bend a little and stretch a little, we won't, we mm. won't break. I'd love to um, talk to you for ages on this, but I, I, we're, we're coming right to the end of our, <laughs> um, of our, of our time. But, and I, I wanted to um, ask, finish by asking you um, what's, what's something that you've learned that actually really quite surprised you um, around the notion of um, psychological safety or, or something that, that really made you as someone who spends a lot of time in this space really sit up and go, oh, wow, that really is quite compelling? Well, two things come to mind. And one is how I stumbled into this idea in the first place, which was um, in a study where I found it was a hospital-based study. And I just, I stumbled into by accident dramatically different rates of reporting of error. And that really surprised me because these were hospitals with people who had the same training, you know, the same sort of general um, skill level and all of that. And yet the cultures sort of the, so it's, it's this localness of interpersonal climate. Um, I find, I still find it surprising because we, have spent so much time in my field anyway, thinking about corporate culture, which is still really important and really matters that you tend to think of it as, Oh yeah. You know, Harvard has a, has a corporate culture or um, GE has a culture and that's true. Um, So I find myself perpetually surprised by how much climate can vary across groups within the same culture. Um, So, so I think that's probably uh, the biggest, um, the biggest one, and then I think the other surprise is is how how readily you can change it with a little bit of curiosity, a little bit of humility, mm. and and a meaningful enough goal to make it worth the effort. So it ca- you, you you are of the opinion that with that intention, the, regardless of the regardless mm-hmm. of the. The condition of the soil, <laughs> we can we can improve it if right. we if we set ourselves. Yeah. We can improve the soil. Yep, we can improve it. We can get yeah. fertilizer and improve it because it's because because I think fundamentally we are aware of what's mm. at stake. You know, whether you're in in healthcare or robotics, you're aware that this is hard and it's important, and you care about it, and you want to do a good job, and so. You gotta, you gotta roll up your yeah. sleeves. And a good way to roll up your sleeves to get into it would be to grab a copy of your book, The Fearless Organization, and maybe <laughs> um, find out more, more of your work. And I'm just wondering if anyone's listening and does want to find out more about you, where would be a good place um, to start? Well, go to the Harvard Business School website, hbs.edu, and uh, go to my faculty page, and there you will see lots of publications, including this one. But you want to just uh, quickly get a hold of the fearless organization. That's uh, the 
best place to go deeper right. on this I'll make sure that there's links in the show notes to grab a copy of that and also to your Harvard Business School um, website there. Thank you so much for your time, thank Amy. You. It's been a real treat and a real privilege to uh, spend some time chatting with you. So thank you very much. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. If you found that chat with Amy interesting, then uh, make sure you do check out her book, The Fearless Organization. As I said at the, the start, it's probably one of my favorite books of, of 2019, and it's one that we constantly go back to, and it's one we constantly share with people that we're working with, because it's a, it's a relatively simple message and a simple idea, and it's a simple thing to think about, but it's actually remarkably challenging, I guess, to put into place if you've only ever kind of thought about the other, <laughs> the alternative, you know. Um, there's some links in the show notes, as I mentioned, to the book. I've also put a link in there to um, the fearlessorganization.com site where there's some more information around there. You can do a, some free like a psychological safety scan of your organization. And I've also just put a little link in there to that recaps uh, some of the um, dramas that were in and around Volkswagen back in 2015. If you did find this podcast interesting, then please feel free to share it with your network and please make sure to like it and leave us a comment wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, also make sure you subscribe. Doing this is great for us, but it also helps um, other people who might be searching for podcasts of this nature to find us even though right now they've never heard of us and don't even know we exist so a like from you a share from you a comment from you can do wonders in spreading that message if you'd like to find out more about our work here if you'd like to be involved in the show either by asking us a question for our q a episodes or even perhaps suggesting a guest perhaps you would like to be a guest on the habits of leadership then head over to habitsofleadership.com and all you need to do is click on the podcast page there but until next time thank you very much for listening take care and take it easy